0: What's up, Granny Fannies? Ryan Carroll here. This is episode number 27 of Granny Shot, your not so serious all things NBA pod. We've got a great episode planned for today. Most notably, Delco makes his long awaited return to the Granny Gang. Can't wait to hear from him. But first, we're going to jump into it as we always do with the granny quiz question of the week. As you guys are well aware, our questions always themed about what we're going to be talking about. And today, we're going to be continuing the trade talk discussion, talking about some of the trades that happened in the past week, as well as some others that we think may happen as we lead into the trade deadline. And we're going to be talking about what I like to call the elephant in the room, which is the freedom of movement rule and how it's really sort of ruining the flow of the game in the nba fouls are questionable things of that nature so we're going to be digging into that talking about ways that we can fix it and how we see the nba calling games into the future so let's get into it the granny quiz question of the week is and now this question is amongst active nba players only the question is name the player with both the most free throw attempts in a single season and and the most free throw attempts in a single game. It is the same person. Again, only active players, the player with the most free throw attempts in a single season, and the most free throw attempts in a single game. If you can get the total number of free throw attempts in a single game, you'll get bonus points.
1: Great shot.
0: Yo, Don,
2: how goes it? Welcome back to the show. It's always great to see your beautiful face. Hey, Ryan. Yeah, I'm, do- I'm doing well today. I'm a little tired, but beautiful Saturday morning. It is lovely. It's a beautiful day here. Can't wait to get outside, play some basketball.
0: Just you and me. Just All alone together. You and me. Hey, guys. Oh, God. Delco's <laughs> back. Wow. Yeah, Granny Fanny's out there.
1: Delco did come back. We tried to prevent it, but he just forced his way back in. By popular demand, I am back. I I did enjoy last episode, but I have a few I have a few critiques here. You listened number I did listen. It was it was rough, but I listened. Number one, you you were like I had a police report out on me or something. You had my face on milk bottles, and you had no idea where I was when I very specifically let you guys know a week in advance I couldn't make it. I I was letting I was in contact with with the granny crew the whole time. They knew where I was. I was safe. That's highly debatable for week one. Week one, I was I was undercover uh, at the All Star game doing some sleuthing work. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So that's that's number one. Just so the Granny Fannies know. Number two, Carol with potentially the softest take ever in Granny history. He demands hot takes, bold predictions, calls out his pals saying it's not bold enough, and then his bold prediction is. That the Warriors will finish in their current standing, where they are right now, that's his that's his high take, and then follows it up with a a lukewarm take of the number one seed will make the NBA finals. Like groundbreaking stuff there, Carol. I I will own the the Warriors one. That was weak
0: as fuck. I, I will I will say there was a, a sign in my face saying the Warriors were going to get the three seed. That's probably what triggered my thought to say that they were going to stay the nine seed. However. I stand by the Jazz one because I don't think anybody or most people are actually picking them to come out of the West and they have the fifth best odds right now to come out of the out of the West. So it's not like everyone is predicting them to come out. Also, they've lost five out of their last nine.
1: It still had me soft, Ryan, and I don't listen to Granny Shot to to be soft, you know. And then finally, I know he's not here with us today, but Biz abstaining from the trivia question. Was was a sight to behold, and in some of the lowest stakes game you could possibly be a part of, he abstains and decides not to to guess after the. Well, he
0: still managed to embarrass himself even <laughs> while abstaining, <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: which is quite I, I the feat.
1: Mean, the Chandler, you know, Chandler Parsons. It was funny. At least he tried <laughs> and then abstaining. You know, we need we need the spice on Granny, so I'll I'll try to bring it today. All right. Well, the original granny crew is back
0: for better, for worse. That's to be debated. But let's talk about the NCAA tournament. So, guys, the game started last night or rather yesterday afternoon. Some great games earlier in the day, some great games at night, some big upsets. Oral Roberts, the dental school
1: does pick off Ohio State. Who you guys got in the tournament this year? Yeah, I'm, I'm a big Oral fan. It was, it was good to see them take Ohio State down. I know. Don has some links to Ohio State, so he probably wasn't as happy. But uh, I, I think it's Illinois' year. They they looked really good, really poised. They have a lot of depth on that squad. And Gonzaga seems like the obvious choice, but I just can't see a college team in COVID times, you know, winning it out. So I, I don't know if they're going to be able to pull it out.
2: Yeah, I do have some some ties to, to Columbus. It was, uh, it was a little bittersweet, you know. Oral Roberts was a fun squad to watch they definitely deserved it saw some Ohio State player get death threats He went 23 15 and or 23 16 and 5 and he got death threats like come on That's ridiculous, but I had 24 points. That's all i'm saying. Yeah, that's true Could have done better, but yeah, I actually um, you know, i'm not really interested in who wins this year I'm, just happy that we have the tournament. I don't really have a team. My team's not in it We We suck we suck again every year and so like <laughs> For me, it's just I don't know. I like watching the games. It's fun to not really have a team to root for, even an expectation, because I think this is the one of the main years where anything can happen, and uh, I'm excited for it. But I don't have any teams truly to, really to root for or think I'm gonna who's gonna win.
0: I, I agree. You can't make a pick. <laughs> Talk about soft takes here. You
1: can't make oh, like a pick of who you think's gonna win. Chandler Parsons.
2: We,
1: we all win, Ryan. Oh my god. <laughs> Jeez. This this show has gone soft. Let's go Syracuse. about gone. that? Q's. Syracuse. Okay. That's bold. I, 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 I want to publicly announce, too, that I, I am predicting Loyola Chicago beating Illinois, even though I just predicted them to, to win it all.
0: Wh- what? All
1: right. So Don doesn't want to make a pick and then picks an
0: 11 seed Syracuse. And then Delco goes on a rant. How about Illinois year And then says that they're going to lose to Loyola.
1: If, if Illinois beats Loyola, they're winning it all. But I, I just, but to they're not it. going to. So I, I, was watching who do you have? I was watching Loyola and they they were reminding me of the Utah Jazz, actually, the way they were moving the ball, the way they were poised. I really like that squad. It's, it's unfortunate that
0: those are two incredibly soft takes from both of you. After, after you just called me out, you're going to go on a rant. And say, I like Illinois, but only if they beat Loyola, because I think Loyola is going to beat them. That's like the biggest caveat in the
2: world. Okay, let's let's preface this real quick. Ryan did not say, "Give me a bold pick on the tournament." He said, I don't want a bold pick. I just want a pick. Don, you couldn't even give me a single pick. Did I not just say Syracuse? And then after, you said after we pried it from you. Okay, I said Syracuse, and then you said that's these are soft picks. It's like, how is it soft? It's a pick. Right. Well, yeah, it was, you it didn't was, say it,
0: bold. It was soft from you to not give me a pick, and then Delco's take about Illinois, and then somehow also thinking they're going to lose. It just doesn't make any sense.
2: You know what, Ryan? This is why everyone. Why is, are you coming team at me, Don?
0: Team Don. I'm I'm done with Team Don. I've been done with Team Don. How can
1: you not be all over Delco for what he just said? I'm somehow like, going to be right on both things. My expectation
2: for Delco is so low. <laughs> you know, just to have him speak and be here is is already. Enough.
1: That's true. He's he's already
0: exceeded expectations at this point. <laughs> yeah. All right, so. One thing about the NCAA tournament that I was thinking about yesterday—that wait, who's your pick? Who's your pick? I I like Illinois. Also, Illinois has been my pick from day one, and I'm sticking with them. I I think it'll be an Illinois Gonzaga final, and I think that game's a toss-up, but I'll take Illinois. So yeah, NCAA tournament, right? One of the things that we or that I was noticing yesterday as we were watching it is that the games are so seem to be so much more physical than the NBA games, at least the regular season NBA games. And it's something that I think draws a lot of casuals to the NCAA tournament is that fight and that uh, physicalness that's kind of lacking in the NBA right now where people, you know, when people complain about the NBA, one of the first things is always there's no defense. right? No one plays any defense, which I hate that argument. I don't think it's true. But I do think that the physicality of the NCAA tournament is something that's very noticeable when comparing to the NBA and as we think about that right i think one of the elephants in the room in the nba over the last couple of the, a couple of years since they added the freedom of movement rules is how it's become such a jump shooting league and how every single rule and every single call is incredibly advantaged towards the offense and i really think that the nba is at a point they're kind of like at an inflection point right now where they need to address it it's getting sort of ridiculous at times so i want to just Open that up to you guys and see what your thoughts are on possible ways for the NBA to address it, what the problems are, and what we might see going forward.
1: Before I talk about that, I also want to bring up a big reason the NCAA tournament is more exciting, and it just is. I don't think that's really an argument. Is that every game you're watching, teams that are with a bunch of you know kids who aren't making any money or anything like that, fighting for their lives, right? I mean, they are fighting to play. You know, another day. Some of them are fighting. It could be the last time they play like a truly organized, high-level basketball game, right?
0: One of one of the plays yesterday, if I use an example, was uh, if anyone watched the the Virginia Tech versus Florida game, Virginia tech's going to to tie the game. It's already in overtime. They're shooting a three. Florida guy closes out and really lands underneath the Virginia Tech guy, and that's been called in the NBA extremely consistently this year to the point where contesting shots is debatably even worth it at <laughs> the three-point line at times. Thanks, and, Zaza. Right. And and not not only that, but a lot of times that call is getting called a flagrant in the NBA. If you're landing in somebody's space, it'll get called a flagrant foul. It happened to Semi Ojale for the Celtics the other night. I love that they didn't call it, right? But why is the NBA calling? Why do they feel like they have the need to call it? You're right. It's the Zaza call, and it's a, a massive overcorrection in my eyes from Kawhi Leonard getting hurt and ruining a conference finals in 2017.
2: Yeah, see, I completely disagree with that because I think it's really important to have that rule in place so shooters can land freely and safely. We saw the Zaza thing, and that had a tremendous impact on that series. Arguably, the Spurs might have won if, if that didn't happen to Kawhi, right? They were beating the Warriors, even though that was like the best Warriors team of all time, the best team of all time they still were beating them and beating them pretty handedly. And Kawhi going down changes that series, but that can happen to any team. And I think if I was right, if I'm playing and I don't have a safe space to land on, that's a really easy way to roll an ankle. And especially for those large athletic NBA players without their ankles, they're nothing.
0: Players need to be able to have a a safe landing space, but it's it's overcorrected too much. Right. There shouldn't be a flagrant foul if somebody gets in there. If it's if someone's a repeat offender, then, then punish them some other way. But it's getting to the point where contesting a shot is like... It, it's absurd. You have to like jump to the side to contest a shot. You can't actually contest a shot like a way that everyone's been trying to do their entire life. You can still get pretty close. And the other thing is now players are like seeking out those fouls. They'll jump forward as opposed to jumping in a natural position up and down. So they're exploiting a rule... And, and you can argue they should be exploiting the rule. That's, I guess, more of an honor-type debate, right? Should they or should they not? They're, they're just using the rules to their advantage. But it, it's it's an overcorrection in my eyes, and I think it needs to be addressed. And it's the same thing with every rule from in the freedom of movement-type type rules, right? I, I think that w- one thing to note is that fouls are actually down. They're the second lowest that they've been in NBA history this year. So in a way ironic that we're having this conversation, but it's because a lot of teams and a lot of players have already adjusted to the way that the game started to get called in 2017, 2018. So players aren't swiping at balls. Players aren't putting their hand out on defense because they know that James Harden or all these other players will do a swipe through unnatural shot, right? So it's also a jump shooting league. So having lower free throws should be expected. But the types of calls that are getting getting made are so ridiculous and it's like such an advantage to the offense and it's the offense seeking out unnatural ways of trying to score and often the the reason fouls exist is an offensive player takes a shot with every intention of making the shot and that's kind of flipped to players now are seeking the foul to just try to be awarded free throws with really no
1: intent of making any sort of shot i agree with that and Also acknowledge it's a difficult problem to solve. It's a lot to ask of a referee to examine intent, you know, live in the middle of a game with all these bodies flying around. A thought that I have for addressing it is kind of taking a page from soccer, European football, whatever you want to call it, and, you know, retroactively finding or punishing players who are clearly, you know, seeking fouls or flopping or rigging the game, basically. So, sure, maybe they get the call in the game. But there could be a review board who looks at these things and says, you know, it, it's very obvious that you were hooking the arm and pulling up. That's, you know, that's not something we want in the league. So you get maybe it's a warning at first and then eventually if they rack up, they can turn into a one game suspension.
0: I, I I like that idea, but I, I think it needs to go more than that because their players are making so much money. Do you think finding James Harden is going to do anything to him? I, I sort of think no, but, no, like, but I maybe, think maybe a suspension, although now yeah. it's, it's rest yeah. <laughs> free, Yes. Yeah. So I, I think that they should call technical on the player. You have the NBA review center watching every single game. How difficult is it for them to say and phone into the the ref on the floor and say, That was a flop, technical foul on so and so? Right? Penalize the actual Here, player. Here's my in problem the game. with that
1: though, because that sounds great, but a huge problem with the NBA is how often we are stopping games, reviewing yeah, games, gonna be... putting people to the line. I don't want another reason to sit there for four minutes while some dumbass you know, in New York is reviewing something that everyone can see is, is obviously, you know. Yeah, there would be a transition period where it would initially get worse, but once players
0: adjusted to it and realized that the benefit didn't outweigh the the cost, then it would eventually get better and hopefully the flow of the game would ultimately become better. So Delica, you brought up one way to de-incentivize players from looking to draw unnatural fouls. You know, I kind of expanded on it. So fines, maybe calling it technical, Let's talk about just improving like the overall flow of the game. So there's so many stops and starts in the league right now, which is another thing that you brought up that would be a concern with the technical foul piece. How can we improve just the general flow of the game? And I think, I think these are two very related conversations. So one, one of the things that I like, and I've got two ideas, two totally different ideas. One that I think would help tremendously is refs need to start calling moving screens way more often than they do. Like I said, the offense is just completely advantaged over the defense. All of the rules are built for the offense and having screeners get penalized for moving screens. You watch an NBA game. They're, they're literally just moving at the top of the key until the matchup they want gets gets hit. But there's no rules. Well, there are rules, but there's no calls. as How, how long can the guy stick his legs out? his elbows reaching out, he's actually moving. If they start calling moving screens, I think it'll make a big difference on the flow of the offense and give the defense a little bit more of the advantage back. So I think that's one very simple thing that would see some really good benefits. And then I have just this random idea for an All-Star game that I think could maybe help if they were to if they were to expand on it. And this is not an original idea. I read this and I liked it. When we all play pickup games, right? We go back to that intent thing. How many fouls get called in your pickup games? Not many. I probably not many, right? People are pretty honest about if it's a foul, what their intent were. Because if you're not, then you're going to get called out for it.
1: If you're calling more three more than three fouls against you in a pickup game, then take a long look in the mirror and readjust. Yeah. So, I I
0: think what I would love to see in the All Star game is in the fourth quarter, you're playing to a set score and they're calling their own fucking fouls. I would love to see that and see what, what how it played out and see what kind of stuff gets called and, and what doesn't and how the players argue with each other and things of that nature because I think it would be totally different. <laughs>
1: the social I media think it would be on totally that would be different. hilarious if someone called a sketchy foul at the end. It would be,
0: yeah, it would be hilarious and I think it would be, it would be interesting. And, and every hooper out there in the world knows that their pickup games... Are more free flowing than an NBA game because there's not any stops and starts because almost no one calls fouls at, at least the, the where I'm playing. I know there's always that guy out there that comes out there and starts calling everything and everyone hates that guy. But for the most part, you don't want to call a foul unless it's like for sure a foul because you don't want people barking at you saying what the fuck I didn't touch
1: you. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a fun idea for the all star game. It's not sustainable. Uh, oh, of course not, but them. you can you can like expand on it. Like if if people really like it and
0: say, "Hey, we loved this. This was a great idea." You know, it was the foul the types of fouls that were getting called were not the way that the NBA is getting called, and just expand on it from there. Maybe it's a start kind of thing. I love it, the idea. It Ryan. would be, it would I be think. fun to
1: watch for sure. And and I, I also like the the moving screen idea. Give some power back to the defense because they need it. And some of us you know like watching defense some of us like watching basketball games and not just checking sexy box scores all right i think that's enough of our bitching and moaning about the nba let's uh we'll
0: see what the nba does about it how they may address it because i think they might end up losing some fans if they don't address it and i think some of the rules that they could make could potentially increase viewership so we'll see what happens there let's move on to actually talking about some fun things in the nba which is trades, and we've got the trade deadline coming up believe it's on the 28th so we're eight days out from time of recording today we talked about trades last week uh in fact i'm gonna toot my horn here and that the granny
2: quiz question of the week was beautiful foreshadowing can i get some credit there it was nice i'll give you, you that don't know because he wasn't here but that's right yeah. that's right trevor Reza
0: gets traded again for the 11th time to the heat we talked about the heat quite a bit done does it does it move the needle for you last week you were saying uh the heat
2: weren't weren't in that tier but does trevor ariza move the needle for you there not like when it comes to a championship i like trevor ariza i think he fits that team perfectly i love the fit i just don't think it's enough again i'm comparing them to the nets and it's just like i don't see it and i still well, think the argument was if they're in the tier of the sixers it? yeah i still don't think they are with the okay. healthy with the healthy and they're not no yeah, I'm I'm
1: not sure I agree with that. The The Heat are still a strong team. They've turned it around really well. This At this point in the season, Jimmy Butler's kind of hitting his stride and, and they look like they did last year. So, certainly not ruling them out. I like the addition of Ariza. I don't think it's a huge move. He's 36 years old, but he has proven that when he is playing for a team that's competing that he still has a little bit of gas in the tank. And Certainly doesn't hurt to have someone with his experience and skills on the squad. And all they had to really do was send away pro streamer Myers Leonard and a draft pick who is currently a 17 year old right now. So they shipped away someone who's 17 right now. It's at what a 2027 second round pick. So uh, they didn't have to give up much. It'll be nice to have that extra leadership and and depth come playoff time. So uh, I like the move for them. So we're pretty much on the same page there, Delco. I will just
0: call you out and say that the 2027 draft class is certainly not 17 years old right now. They're probably still in middle school.
1: Yeah, I was, I was 17 in middle school. Were you guys not? No. <laughs> Anyways, another
0: trade that happened over the past week after the Ariza pickup was the biggest one of all, and that is Tory fucking Craig goes to the Suns now huge new landscape new league one I love that how will the bucks survive without him i i don't know and two are the Suns now the favorites done
2: please let us know for one i think the bucks will be fine because they made up for it and got pj tucker who i love for that squad by the way i think i mean i don't i still don't think they're gonna win a championship but Before
1: Um, we talk about the actual implications of the trade, I think this is Don's day of reckoning on Tory Craig. I think it's time he faced the truth. This is an intervention, Don. This is—we're actually not recording. This is an intervention for Tory Craig. Tory Craig is a non-factor in this league. I mean, he's—he was drafted at twenty-seven. He was nothing but like an end of the bench whatever guy he doesn't really have anything really good that he does he's an okay three-point shooter he's an okay defender he's now 30 years old so there's no potential here you, you <laughs> I, I gotta slam you Dan I'm sorry um preseason you were calling out how he would be a difference maker for the bucks he's actually having a, a career low year across the board in all his stats with what he's done for the bucks Tory Craig sucks and I'd, we'll see what he does for the Suns. You know, I've I've been wrong before with trades like this, but I just don't see him doing anything for any team that he goes Well, to. it doesn't matter for the Suns because the Suns didn't give up anything for him. The cash consideration. Exactly. They're gonna consider <laughs> going to consider. Craig's come. value.
2: I mean, you couldn't be more wrong, so I'm just waiting for you to talk yourself out of this one.
0: I'm done talking. This is your moment to shine, Don. Tory Craig I is. I mean, you're saying boy. he's a
2: non-factor. He's been sitting on the bench since he was drafted, but he started for the Nuggets for three seasons, and he's he's had 14 playoff games in his experience, which he started and played fully. You say he's he's not really good at anything. Tory Craig is a is a way underrated above average defender. It is known fact throughout the league that he is that he's aver, average at best. No, he no no that is incorrect. He is above average, and anyone in the league will actually tell you that he's above average defender. That's why he started 14 games for the Nuggets in the playoffs because they need him against those higher caliber offensive weapons. And that's why the Bucs signed him. I thought the Bucs did a terrible job utilizing him against people who were very, very good on offense. I think the Bucs are going through a bit of a transition. And part of that's on Torrey Craig, right? Torrey Craig doesn't do a lot out of defense that is useful. And again, this is a points-driven league. In my opinion, it's helpful to have someone like uh, like Thibel who can, uh who can play great defense for the 76ers, right? That's all he does. It's like blocks and steals. And Torrey Craig, in my opinion, is not as good as him. But Torrey Craig is a really, really good defender. I think it's again. I think it's ridiculous that you're saying he has done nothing for the league when the guy started for three seasons after he was drafted at 27. Well, so you're making you're
1: making it sound like he was a consistent starter the whole time. Like he started games here and there.
0: I, I'm not I'm somewhere in between you two, but I lean much more heavily towards Delco than I do Don here. Torrey, I, Craig, I just, Torrey Craig can give you 10 minutes a game and contribute. Sure. But let's not forget why this running Tory Craig thing is a, is an actual joke right now. It was that Tory Craig was on the Bucks, and that was the reason why Don believed the Bucs were contenders.
2: I thought it was a very very important trade for the Bucks because they did not have any defense. Like I didn't think they had any great defenders. Middleton, in my opinion, is not a great defender. Uh, Drew Holiday is a superstar, but he he's coming along. But yeah, I thought it was I thought it was a big Middleton's wick.
0: a
1: solid defender. Yeah, Tory Craig's a better defender than Don. Don's going to die in the Tory Craig Hill. That's fine. We tried the intervention. Some people are are too far gone to be saved. But yeah, we we can transition to the actual trade now, which I do like a lot. PJ Tucker. I was shocked he wasn't included in the original uh, Harden deal to the Nets. I thought he would be a great fit with the Nets. He's a great fit next to Harden. Maybe there are some personal reasons why uh, you know Harden didn't exactly leave on good terms. So maybe PJ didn't want to play with Harden anymore. Um, I know we just spent like 30 minutes talking about how defense isn't winning championships anymore, but that Buck squad has now five players who can pretty much defend the one through five, very switchable defense. Uh, Middleton is a good defender and he's probably the worst defender in that starting lineup potentially. So I, I like I like the move a lot. Uh, pj is quietly elite it's a corner three-point shooter which i think this bucks team could use and he probably still has enough in the tank for one more year of of guarding the other team's best player potentially being like a lebron or Kawhi, maybe not stopper but a nuisance at least uh, which will be really important for this bucks team so i love the deal they didn't really have to give much up for it dj augustine had high hopes for him preseason, but the fit wasn't there, and the contract looked really bad. So not only did they get PJ Tucker, but they got that DJ Augustine contract off the books. So good for the Bucks. It certainly helps them. um We'll see if it's enough to take them to the next level. But I love the move. I don't like this defense doesn't matter rhetoric that's going
0: on. From, from it doesn't down. matter as much. Yes, agreed. Okay, it doesn't matter. Offense is more important than defense, but defense still matters a lot, and i agree that
2: this is the the, least
0: it's this is the least it's meant in all the years of the nba okay but it's still very important to have very switchable teams right i think one of the great things about the bucks picking up pj tucker is they can now switch one through five when brooke lopez is not on the floor and i think that's going to be very big for them potentially in the playoffs do i think it makes them that much better no do i think the bucks are gonna get any farther than maximum eastern conference finals no. Do I think it still is all on Giannis's shoulders to be able to take over a game? Yes, and I don't think he's going to be able to do that. So I also am not as high on P.J. Tucker as I think a lot of people, casual NBA fans, are. I think he uh, benefited a lot just because he played next to Harden. I don't think he's going to have that same luxury on the Bucks. So we'll, we'll see what kind of impact he makes. All right, so that's all the trades that happened over the last week. We still have one more week until the trade deadline. I think some of the bigger names are likely to get moved. Any of those ones that we talked about last week you think going to happen now? Also, question, the Jazz seem to be in a little bit of a slump. Do you think that they're in the market to make a move now that they've kind of lost a few games here?
2: Yeah, I expect a lot of players to be moved, actually. I think it's an uh, open season, for, especially in the West right now. Like you said, the Jazz are struggling a little bit. I think people are seeing that that blood in the water, more or less. And while you still have those those big sharks and the L.A. teams, I think there's a lot of potential for some good players to be moved Uh, I like names, especially like Al Horford and George Hill, who who are veterans, like that veteran presence is really important on playoff caliber teams. And then also with the proper rest into that, like I don't think these high high seated teams need to play Horford a lot, right? Like Horford's playing one game a week right now. If you can just pretty much put them on the bench and rest them until the end of the season and just have them go hard in the playoffs. He plays well, right? With, with minutes. Uh, Same thing with George Hill. Like George Hill is a a veteran. He's really good at what he does. Really great three point shooter, real big fan of him. So like, I think there are certain players that will make big, big pushes. And I know Ryan, you like Oladipo. Uh, We'll see if he gets traded. He's been playing decently well. Again, just, um, it depends on what role he goes into on what team, but the jazz in general, you know, this is the conversation we had a couple episodes about the jazz that uh, we brought up, right? They don't have a superstar.
1: Yeah, Al Horford, I feel like the only team he could realistically be traded to is the Celtics because of that contract. Competitive teams can't really afford to drop a a massive contract like that on someone who's just going to be a, a role player. But I, I heard you guys talk about it last week and I, I like the fit. George Hill is a name I like a lot for the Celtics in particular. The big issue that they have right now is moving the ball, passing the ball, creating opportunities for each other. They tend to all have tunnel vision and... It's been a huge struggle for them all season and i i really like the idea of george hill being a part of that team slowing things down uh you know keeping the pace ryan and i were watching college basketball yesterday watching the tournament and that point guard from north texas right a big reason they won is because he was just so calm and poised and didn't let the momentum swings get to his head and I think George Hill can still be that guy. He's not the old George Hill that you know was looked at looked at as one of the better point guards in the league, but he does have championship experience. He is a very calm presence. He's still a solid shooter, and I think he would be a good fit for the Celtics. So
0: another team that I like George Hill on is actually the Sixers. He could be a second option, I think, for the Sixers to go after if they're not able to land Lowry where I do think Lowry will end up landing. But Daryl Morey is not going to come out of this this period without anything. I think he's definitely going to be going after somebody. And if they don't land Lowry, George Hill is going to be that guy.
1: That that fit makes sense to me. The Sixers definitely need a true point guard. Ben Simmons is amazing and you can call him a point guard, but he's something a little bit different. And, and having a true point guard to calm things down, spread the floor a little bit would, would be helpful to them and Tyrese Maxey has been fun and interesting but do you really want him to be the guy when it comes to playoff t- time same with Shake Milton you know fun to watch great score but having that calming point guard floor general presence on the court would be really helpful for them definitely Tyrese Maxey is not going to be on the floor at the end of the game in the playoffs right yeah you would hope not
0: I am a big Shake fan I think Shake's a gonna end up being a very good player in the nba he's already shaking out to be a solid one hey wow, you've been holding that hold on to that one huh that one actually just came out naturally didn't even plan that but do, do you want shake running back up point guard minutes in the playoffs or no do you... i don't even see shake as a point guard i see shake yeah. as a shooting guard yeah all right guys any other trades that you're looking
2: forward to potentially happening this week there's been a lot of talk about lonzo to the clippers i don't know what yeah. I, I kinda like it. I don't know if it's gonna push them any further. I'm I'm sold out on the Clippers this year. I don't know why. I just don't get those vibes. Haven't really been big on them when I watch him. I think Lonzo's having a nice season. He's definitely doing the things well that he needs to, but again, it just doesn't tickle my fancy. <laughs>
1: nah, I I, 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 like I love it. the fit. Yeah, I love the fit. I just don't think the Clippers can afford him. Right. I mean the the, the problem I think is that the
0: Clips have nothing to offer. They don't have a first round draft pick until 2027. So they're going to have to be able to entice the Pels to take second round picks or a first round pick six years from now, because they also don't have really any young talent either. And you have to think that that's what the Pelicans want, either picks or young talent. And their only young talent, and I'm doing air quotes here, talent is Canard and maybe Terrence Mann, depending on how people feel about him. Who the who the hell is Terrence Mann? <laughs> Terrence Mann's solid. I, I I like him as a potential 3D guy in the future. A future uh, Tory Craig, if you will. Yeah, he, he could surpass Tory Craig. One day, Terrence Mann will be the piece that takes a team from pretender to contender, just like Tory Craig. Jesus Christ. Wow.
2: Fucking Tory. Ryan,
0: Ryan with the bull take. Hey, I mean, that, know, that, Tor- that was a joke. Let me be clear about that. All right. So we've talked refing, we've talked trades. Sounds like. Maybe we'll see Lonzo get moved this week. We'll see if Lowry, Oladipo, some of the other names we got picked get traded this week. But let's take a short break and we'll be back with the Granny Quiz question of the week. Shot. All right, guys. Granny Quiz question of the week. How are you feeling about it? You guys think you know it? I'm down to three. I still have the, the same three in my mind. So
1: Yeah, I have my list. Okay.
0: Well, let me reread the question and then I'll I'll see if you guys are actually actually on the right track here. The question was amongst active NBA players only name the player with the most free throw attempts in a single season and the most free throw attempts in a single game. It is the same player. So I'm only looking for one answer. Delco.
1: The obvious one would the obvious guess would be James Harden motherfucker every time i watch him i feel like i'm just watching him at the line for an hour don what do you think it's not james harden is it
2: yeah i don't think it's james harden this is the part that's tricking me out it's it's the most in a season and the most in a game i don't know why but i think of two different players but i know it's not james harden because not too long ago a shack right Hacking big men and making them shoot free throws was huge. And I I just remember there are three names that I know. DeAndre Jordan, DeAndre Drummond, Dwight Howard, right? They all were taking ridiculous free throws during the game. Like they would literally in the second when the second half began, they would just foul them and then they go to the line. The problem is I don't know which one of those three it is because they all took so many free throws. So Donna is on the right track there. Yeah, I know it's one of them. I I lean towards DeAndre Jordan or uh, Dwight Howard. It's, well, the, it's i'll guess the, i'll guess it, dwight it, before you don't, he, you the, don't get any <laughs> points for leaning don uh, i'm a leaner ryan chandler parsons yeah cha- yeah i'm changing my guess <laughs> to chandler parsons uh out of spite because delco hates howard i'm gonna go with howard yeah dwight's correct so oh let's go let's the, go the spite points the best kinds let's of go. points
0: yeah, so Dwight Howard is correct. You guys want to take a stab at the most free throws in a single
2: game by an active player. Was I have a question. Was, was DeAndre Jordan and DeAndre Drummond close to that? Drummond was second. Okay. They, they were all in there, but Drummond okay.
0: was second. Uh, 36. Whoa. That's close. 34. 39. Dwight Howard oh took 39 God. free
1: throws in a game. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. So happy I, I missed that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, a, it, well is how, that how, how many, he many did he make? Yeah. yeah. I didn't go into that. <laughs> Six.
0: Probably not many because why keep fouling him if he was knocking them down?
1: Yeah. yeah. you have to imagine he didn't make more than 50% or so. Just, just imagine paying your hard and earned dollars to go watch Dwight miss like 30 free throws. I liked
0: the Hack a Shack rule. I wish they would bring it back. I know that, that teams are like, you know, uh, no one wants to watch that, but take them off the floor if you don't want to fucking miss free throws and lose possessions. Yeah, it's strategy. It's, it's a strategy. So I, I want it back. We should have talked about that earlier. Bring back Hakeem Shaq. It's a boring ass track. There
2: was one point I remember watching a Clippers game and the second half just began. It was like the very beginning of the third quarter and they DeAndre. started. Yeah, they started every possession. They were just fouling DeAndre. And it was like, they're gonna do this the entire game. Oh, yeah. Like, there's no reason not to take him out. Yeah. <laughs> take you. They have to take him out at that point. It's either
0: that, or you just like hope that they run out of fouls. Well, we should have talked about that during the roughing thing. I'm gonna start a uh, hashtag. Bring back the hackish shack. That's where Tori Craig can have
1: some value in the league. Is yeah, dude. Just put him in <laughs> the packing people. Suppliers. Yeah. <laughs> this is yeah.
2: a win-win. The, the more we talk, the more you guys say his name. You know his name. It's a win for Don. Don, Don is
1: Tori Craig's agent. Actually. You should get a
2: Torrey Craig jersey, dude. I, I think
0: like you guys could probably... You talk about him so much, you should slide into his DMs, man. Yeah, you should bang him. You assume <laughs> that I haven't done these things. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you have. Let us know how he's doing. Does he Does he like Phoenix down there? Let us know next week. All right, we're going to close it out here. As always, please remember to follow us on Twitter at GrannyNBA. Hit us up on our Instagram at GrannyShotNBA. Send us an email. We're going to do some mailbag episodes here in the future. The email is grannyshotnba at gmail.com. And remember to follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to your pods. Again, thanks for listening. This is Granny Shot.